evening, everybody, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast, the love pod, as you will. And we'll just get out and say it straight away from the start. This is our second try at re- recording this. We had a good 20-minute chat previously, um, which ended up being a complete waste of time because the lovely recording software didn't work. So thank you, Audible. Uh, thank you, uh, everyone else that's chipped into that little piece there, Liam, Liam, Rob, and myself. Some absolutely world-class comment lost forever. But it is what it is. Adapt and overcome. Is it the, the old motto of the SAS? Adapt and overcome. Uh, right, so Sunday the 11th of October, it's episode 31. I'm joined by Rob, I'm joined by Liam O'Mara, and I'm joined by Liam Hatton. Uh, debutant, another one. We like to have them on from time to time to, uh, to pop the cherry on the podcast. It's been very nice to see you all here previously. We've spoken before about what you've been up to this week. It's probably going to be quite tedious to go through it again. But uh, but Rob, welcome back. You're our, you're our resident tech wizard at this minute in time. On trial, I may like to add, <laughs> uh, after the, the recent failings. But it's good to have you on. Uh, I'm not going to ask you or Liam or Mary what you've been up to this weekend because we've been through that once already and your answers were largely largely boring. Um, we're going to go to our debutant, Liam Hatton. Liam, maybe just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and, uh, and your interest in Wanderers. You're the owner, operator of the Trotters blog as well, which has been uh, which has been brought to our attention recently. He's doing really well. Some very interesting articles and comments on there. But uh, but welcome to the podcast and, and just introduce yourself, mate. Cheers. It's good to be on. Um, yeah, um, Trotters blog. I started that up a few months ago. Um, it's because oh, it's good to have a variety of content about Bolton across the web. You know, we all love a good uh, more on about Bolton, and it's good to just see a variety of p- opinion. Uh, we have a good following on Twitter, so um, I just thought it's a place to share my opinion. And like we said, there's, you can never have too many opinions or too many people throwing stones in the glass houses, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, it's... That's uh, right. It's, well, no, no. Yeah, yeah, feel free to carry on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'll just say it's been, it's been good so far. You know, the reaction's been uh, decent. When does your... Uh, the voting for your blog close, by the way? Is that Sorry? Uh, the voting for your blog uh, for the... Line of, you know, the... Oh yeah, we're going to mention that at the end. Uh, so we'll, we'll mention it now. Um, yeah. yeah, we managed to make it through to the finals of the um, the football blogging awards, which is an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable achievement for ourselves. It's a little, you know, seven or eight man operation that we have at this minute in time. So we're we're really pleased and really happy for everyone that's taken the time to vote for us. I'm not entirely sure when the voting ends. Um, so those that have voted, thank you. Those that haven't voted. You know, get your asses in gear. Come on. Um, I, I presume it's in the next few days because I believe the decision is going to be made by the end of October. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, I'll be looking for your name on that list next year. Nominees, Liam. I'm sure you'll be yeah. you'll be up there giving us a, oh, giving us a, giving us a challenge. I was just going to say, though, from you know, next year I'll be in the, a bit of a rivalry going on. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, a friendly um, rivalry, of course. Yeah, yeah, rivalry. of course. But well, yeah, well, uh, well, let's crack on. Uh, obviously, we, we've spoken at length already about the the Burnley game that's upcoming. We don't normally talk about games that far in advance, but I think given the uh, given the nature of what we've got in the meantime, it's probably wise that we do go ahead and discuss Burnley. Uh, right, so we lost 4-3 against QPR last weekend. We know that the defence struggled, um, considering four away from home is not that unusual for Bolton Wanderers, but the manner in which we did so probably raised a little bit of concern amongst managers, players and fans alike. Uh, Liam O'Meara, I'll come to you first in between watching the tail end of the Ireland match. So if you decide to squeal and, and get excited, we know exactly what's happening. Who do you think is going to, do you think there's going to be any changes to the team against QPR? Any returning players going to get a look in? Um, Derek Wilson, um, that's two players by the way, uh, and Liam Trotter, just for a laugh. What do you think is going to happen? I think they'll make one change. I think we set up at QPR to defend in the first place. Obviously, due to some individual errors, it really didn't work out that way. I think it was 
also one of those games where a bit frantic, a bit of a bit of an odd one, you know, a bit of a bit left wing in terms of how the, how the game went. So I think we'll still look to be defensive, and I think it'll be a largely similar team. I don't think he'll start with Wellington, thinking using him as an impact player, trying to be still in the game with 15, 20 minutes left. So uh, the only change I would see happening is Wilson coming back in, just to solidify that right hand side and to uh, you know try and make things happen down there. I agree completely, uh, Rob. Welcome to the podcast again. Um, same question to you, mate. What changes would you make, and do you think any of the returning players will get a look in? Um, like Liam, I think I'd bring in Wilson again on the right. Um, he also wasn't. He also, Leon, Lennon was, obviously wasn't very happy with Pisano. Brought him off at half time against QPR. Um, so I don't think it'd be a surprise if Wilson came back in. Um, I think personally, I'd drop Davis back into midfield. Um, I think he looked better there earlier this year than he did. He looked a bit uncomfortable, I thought. Um, at QPR, especially on the left. I don't think he'll do that again. But uh, maybe drop Davis back into midfield and push Clayton wide. Um, I don't think he'll start with Wellington, even though I'd like him to. I think, um, yeah, I think he worked off the bench. I thought that was a nice, um, it was a nice setup having him come off the bench and make a bit of a difference. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's definitely an angle to look at from there. Um, I mean, personally, I, I'm not sure I would, it's difficult. I know we lost, we considered four goals, but Wilson for Pisano otherwise, I, I can't really see there being much call for anybody else to come in. Trotter doesn't deserve it. Wilson, you know, kind of deserves it. And Derek, whilst he's, he's back, I'm not sure that um, that Prince deserves to be dropped. I mean, you, you'll always struggle to convince me that Dorian DeVete is worthy of a starting place in our team because I really don't see, I really don't see what Lennon sees in, in the chap. Uh, so I'd be content for Derek to come in to replace the Frenchman, but I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, Liam Hatton, same question to you to finish off. Um, what changes would you make, or, or who do you think will come back in? Well, I think, if anything, the main changes, if any, will be at the back. Uh, you, I, you look at Burnley's uh, strike force, you've got uh, the likes of Volks and uh, Andre Gray. Uh, it's quite physical, to be fair. But, so I think like it, it all depends on who you'd like in the centre of the defence. Uh, personally, I'd keep Devit in, Devit and uh, Prince, and then. What, what do you fancy about Devit? Do you mind me asking? What, what, do you think, a, what do you think he brings? I think early in the season he looked like he. I thought he was. He looked really solid. Like he, he reads the game well, and while his distribution from the back is, you know, it's just uh, useless balls lofted upfield. It's hardly anything special. Um, I think he just he reads the game fairly well, um, although he does looks suspect at times. I just think if you put Derek in there alongside Prince, they'd really struggle against the um, front two. Uh, they struggled against Huddersfield when they went on the attack. Um, and I think there's, I think right now it's about staying in some consistency at the back, uh, gaining a back four that um, they're comfortable with that, you know, because we've had some factors so far that have gone against us, like the suspensions of Derek and Devee and then injuries. So some of it, you know, we can't help, but yeah, um, Pizarro, you know, maybe did he was he injured um, against QPR? Which I, I think it was. I think it was. It was explained away as being injury, but I'm I'm not entirely sure it wasn't yeah. tactical. Well, I, an injury being a, a timely excuse. Yeah, I mean, he he has looked off the pace a bit, but it is still very early days. Um, I think it's quite surprising that Wilson hasn't featured the past two games, not even on the bench. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back in because he's solid. If you know, if it. I think that's all he brings to his game, but you know he can have his good and bad days. So apart from that, you know maybe Prattley, 
depending on where he's at, he could start from the bench. But um, I would like to see maybe Wellington come on from the bench because, like Liam said, he'd make an impact sub. But maybe make a change or two at the back. But apart from that, I think he'll just keep it the same. I agree. Um, keeping with you, Liam, uh, into midfield, obviously we've got a, a, a wealth of experience and a wealth of choice there with Prattley, Davies, Vela, Dans and Spearing. Um, I did say before, and I, I poked it out of nowhere to put Trotter in there for Bance. It's not going to be his funny second time round, but I'm still going to say it because I thought it was quite a good line. Um, and that doesn't even include Mido. Um, midfielders were well stacked in terms of midfielders, aren't we? And that's not even to to go into the, the case of the wide midfielders with Wellington. We've got Feeney, uh, Clayton. I mean, it's, it's it's what six or seven plays into two or three positions at best. Yeah. I mean, how would you how would you stack up the midfield? I. Um, going into Burnley, I'd, I'd, I'd keep Prattley, Davis, and Dans, uh, purely because uh, Spearing and Vela haven't featured a lot this year. So just chucking them in, you know, against the likes of Joey Barton, you know, he might be a bit of a dick, but he's still um, a good player at this level. Um, but you know, uh, you need someone who can match up to the likes of Barton. Uh, I think right now, uh, Davis, Prattley, and Dans is probably our best bet. Because the four-three-three looked quite well against QPR. I know we conceded four goals, so it's it sounds quite odd to say that, but there were just little mistakes that we need to cut out. But again, we've been saying that for the past two years or so now, so it's easier said than done, isn't it? Really? I think they're all very valid, valid points. Same question to you, Rob. Um, with the midfield, I think we're kind of lacking someone physical like Liam was kind of alluding to there, um, especially against uh, Joey Barton. We need someone who's going to get, get their foot in. For me, that'd be Bella, but it's obviously not going to happen, is it? So I think he will stick with Bradley Davis-Dans. Um, but then I think Spearing could get in there and put his foot in, wouldn't he? But um, I think it's very odd that Spearing started the season, got sent off in the first game through not really his fault particularly, but and he's not got back in. It seems very odd. And he's kind of made a couple of cameo sub-appearances and looked okay, but he just seems to be ostracised by Lennon. Um, so it seems very odd that he's not playing, but I think he will start with probably Davis and Dans, and maybe Davis playing a little bit deeper than he was against QPR because he didn't really look that comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. Curious, curious choices, boys. You're all you, you, yeah. you, you, the Neil Dans situation. I don't want to make it too obvious as we've had our run-ins in the past, but oof, I, I can't. You know, Liam Hatton, you've had Davit and Dans in the same team. <laughs> <laughs> we're, talking, we're, to, we're talking common denominators, and we're coming back to the same factors all the time, aren't we? The second top scorer, Dan's. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, he's got to do it at some point, I guess, hasn't he? Yeah. I said on the previous recording that Dan's has been one of my top three players of the season so far. Um, he's just consistent, and you know, he's he makes these stupid mistakes sometimes. Like when he's on the ball, and he'll just like mm. for a second just hesitate, and he'll just look like he's not at like least he... once a week. If I'm being, uh, <laughs> yeah. if I'm being honest, <laughs> he has his faults, but you know. Um, like the goal he scored against um, Brighton at home, you know he's he's got passion, and I know passion's not everything, but um, he likes to get stuck in as well. And you know, as long as he gives his all every game, that's all you can ask. And like you say, okay. I'd like to see Spearman and Bella given the chance, but it doesn't seem to be in the cards right now. Although Spearman really did, did make a difference when he came, um, yeah. so I, it, I think so. I think so too. My choice would be Prattley Davies and Spearman for the. The, the solidity, the dynamism, the ability on the ball—I uh, I think it's it's worth a, worth an experiment. Vela, I don't know where his next game's going to come to. He seems to have gone from being first choice, obviously at right back, and um, we've we've, re, we've strengthened in that position since. But 
his his uh, his star seems to have waned pretty strongly to be honest in the last few weeks. Um, right, well, we're going to nip straight onto the score predictions element of this because previously we didn't talk about how we think that we developed over the course of the international break. But to be honest with you, uh, I think we're going to flog a dead horse. That we've spoken a lot about that already. So I'm going to come to each of you in turn, start with Liam O'Mara to about the score predictions. Liam, um, would you make any real changes to the starting lineup and what score do you think it's going to be? Uh, and generally, how would you approach the game? Attack, defend, counter? What do you reckon? We have to counter. There's no way we can attack. They're just too strong for us. And I've not seen any evidence in any away game for the last 18 months that we can go somewhere and dictate it against any opposition, never mind one of the strongest in the league. So I think it's going to be a case of setting up with our banks making sure we're working hard, and particularly in the midfield, not giving anything away. And if we can nip up on the break, Prattley's got it in him maybe to drive forward, try and get something there. Um, I really can't see he's getting anything, and I think we'll lose this 2-0. But I just wanted to sort of <laughs> digress a little bit. I've just had a bit of a thought when we were talking about Villa. I just got the real feeling of deja vu that we were like this, under Dougie. Where I went Eight, yeah, the 18 months ago, the same situation. Yeah, so, I mean, what, what's going on here? Is this an attitude thing? You know, is there something going on that we don't... Because he, anyone can see Josh Vela's quality. And I'm sure, you know, 18 months ago, we were all screaming at Freeman in terms of why he wasn't giving this kid a chance after playing him and him doing so well. So, you know, I mean, is there something else to this? Well, there's one thing I want to propose. I mean, it's 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 going to be unpopular, but... It could a Bolton Wanderers academy graduate maybe not be quite as good as we want him to be. Good question, mate. Good question. Maybe I think I think right now he's he's very similar to Davis. Not obviously he's not as good as Davis, but um, they both like to. They're both very good at passing the ball around the pitch. And I think if you have both of them in the same team, um, it possibly leaves them a bit lightweight. Um, I don't know. I, I like Bella. I didn't like him much at right back. But that's just me. Um, I loved him there. I thought that was his position, to be honest. Well, we really? spoke on the podcast many times, didn't we, about whether it was a case of him being good enough. Whether it's his best position is, is irrelevant, whether he would be good enough to play there. Um, Rob, score prediction from you, please. Um, I think it's going to be tough. Um, they've only lost twice all season. They've only lost one in the last seven. Um, so I think it's going to be a struggle. But if we can sort the defence out, then I think we've got a chance of at least getting a draw. Um, so I think I'm going to go the 1-1. I think it'll be... Um, Go there, stop and playing, nick a goal through Gary Medine, three and three. Um, we'll get a draw, one one. Okay, we well, negative Nancy's not only single one of you gone for the victory, so therefore <laughs> I'm going to take the traditional line of any route. We're going to win five nil. Um, it's probably going to be five goals from Medine uh, plus two own goals from Shola Ramiobi that'll be disallowed. Um, but we'll talk about Shola in an upcoming segment uh, ever so soon. Um, Liam Hatton, have I asked you for a score prediction? I've got, my mind's gone blank. I, I don't think we have. Um, I'd say over to you now. I did say 1-1 one, one, uh, originally, but I can't see us just conceding one, you know. I mean, last game, we they were missing Charlie Aston and Jamie Mackey, and they still put four past us. Um, I'd say 2-2, two, two, you know. Uh, maybe Medine continuing to score, and then uh, I'd, let's go for Dean Boxy. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Well, we're going to talk 5-0. We might as well make other stuff up and see what's going to happen as well. But, uh, very interesting. Um, Liam, I pre- Liam O'Meara, is I presume you've gone quiet because the full-time whistle's gone in the Ireland game? It has, yeah. It's the playoffs it is then. <laughs> um, well, you got a decent look in those games, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't a terrible performance, actually. I watched it, you know, just obviously watched the game and been quite 
distant in terms of the pod. So probably the first 20 minutes being wiped off has done me a favour, Rob. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so well, yeah. Lathan being a very Irish surname, you probably did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just one of them things. Um, the two Poland goals were brilliant goals as well. Particularly the first one off the corner, the set piece was a brilliant finish. So, you know, they, on balance, they probably deserved it. I mean... Shane Long, bless him, just had, you know, the hell kicked out of him for an hour before absolutely getting stretched off. So, you know, I hope he's all right with it because they just kicked him from start to finish, really. So we'll see who we get in the playoffs and we'll take it from there. Well, there's a striker that I think one day be applying his trade in the famous white shirt of Bolton Wanderers, but that's just me for another day. All right, so we'll take a short break where we'll check the recordings again. On the off chance it's not recorded and we have to do this for a fucking third time. <laughs> um, but fingers crossed we'll be all right. We'll be back for a... Uh, segment two where we'll talk about the week in Wanderers. So bear with us, we'll be right back. Welcome back everybody to segment two of the 31st episode of the Line of Vienna Suite podcast. Um, I'm Chris, he's still Rob, he's still Liam and he is as well. Uh, right, transfer rumours, the week in Wanderers. Right, three strikers, all of varying degrees of shitness. Um, we'll start off with the shittiest and then we'll go to the next shittiest. And then we'll end up with the real shittiest. Uh, right, Shola Ramiobi, um, apparently we've turned him down. Whoever thought that those words would all be linked together. But Shola Ramiobi will not be signing for Bolton Wanderers, uh, it appears, despite being on trial earlier on this week. Next in line, Carlton Cole. <laughs> Good grief. Um, it's real scraping the bottom of the barrel shite, isn't it, now for Wanderers. I noticed, Rob, I presume you put this in an ironic fashion. Is he the answer to our striking dilemma? <laughs> well... I'm going to give that the answer. It really deserves uh, no. He's not. Um, and the third choice was Leon Best. Well, you know, it's. I don't even know how to describe it. Frying pan and fryer and fire really doesn't. It really doesn't cover it. Uh, but Liam O'Meara first. We're going to take on all three candidates. So uh, Amiobi, Cole, and Best. Let us know your thoughts. Do you have any preference in terms of who we should sign? Uh, and do you think we will sign any of these jabronis at all? No, I don't think we'll sign any of them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad to get them in and have a look what they can do. Um, I certainly, I'm certainly not overreacting to the fact that these players are coming in and, and having a look at them because in the past, you know, we've seen some that have been able to make a difference. I point at Emileski, who has contributed. and He is obviously, you know, someone who splits opinion, but he has certainly made a difference to the Bolton cars. Since well, Kevin, Davis, Kevin Davis came in on very similar circumstances. You know? Well, exactly, yeah. And even nowadays, Laurie Wilson was on trial, you know, and he's, he's proved to be certainly capable of being in our first team. So, you know, it's always worth getting them in and have a look what they can do. I never expected for one minute that we'd sign Shola Amiobi, to be honest. Um, that guy, you know, I, I don't want to criticise certainly players of other teams too much, but... He's stoned a living for 15 years, that guy. I don't, mm. I, don't, I really don't understand what anyone has ever seen in Shola Amiobi. Um, but in terms of Leon Best, he's someone in the past that has, you know, had been better. But I had, obviously when I wrote my uh, column piece, I did quite a bit on Leon Best and I was quite obviously troubled to see that he did have two loan spells in the championship last year and managed no goals in 28 games. I think it was for um, Derby and... Oh, I can't remember the other side off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, so two teams there, no goals in 28 games. I think it speaks to himself. I can't understand how he's going to you know, prove anything differently in the trial, and I think anyone who would take a look at those figures would probably think it's a waste of time. You know, So let's have a look. In terms of Carlson Cole, uh, there's a little bit more quality there, to be honest. You know, you're certainly going to know, you're going to get a lot more input in terms of bringing other players into the game, and when you've got players like 
you know, injured Clough, but Clayton, Dobby, he perhaps can bring him in a little bit more, perhaps do what Maydine tries to do, but doesn't quite pull off. So I think Carlton Cole could add something, but I'd be surprised if we do get him, if teams like Celtic are sniffing around that can really offer a lot more money. I think I agree with you completely on that. I mean, my, my preference would probably be Amiobi, maybe, first. I don't know. Carlton Cole strikes me as very similar to Medine um, in that he's rubbish. Um, Leon Best, Leon Best, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on Leon Best. I really couldn't care less either way. Uh, Liam Hatton, I'll come to you next on this one. Same question. Three strikers, three choices. Uh, order of preference, if you have one, please. <laughs> Do I really have to choose? <laughs> um, like which one of your parents do you love the most? <laughs> I think I think Lennon's uh, firing up uh, Football Manager 2006 and just seeing who's still playing, <laughs> really. But, um, good game, good game. Yeah, well, um, Liam Best is just a no-go, uh, not a chance. And I, don't, I wouldn't ever want to see him in a white shirt. Um, I was... I actually think Amiobi could have offered us something. Um, you know, he's he's a younger, uh, more more bio MLS game, but again, that's not really saying much. Uh, but yeah, in so are so we, we, to be honest. So are we. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we are, you know. Um, but uh, I'd take Carlton Cole, um, but I think he's going to be demanding a lot in terms of wages. Um, any uh, like old guy he brings in, I think I don't think it'd be the be all and end all. I still think he'd be looking actively to add a younger, slightly more prolific striker, perhaps on loan. But you know, um, I think right now he's just gauging his options, trying to figure out if anyone's worth having a go at. But obviously, uh, we're not in the best financial state at the moment, so it's uh, it's it's just beggars can't be choosers, really, isn't it? I I I take Carlton Cole and then. To a lesser extent, Amiobi, and then I just tell Leon Best to fuck off, really. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's pretty I much. I forgot he existed. Thoughts. I totally forgot he existed. But uh, but Rob, same question to you. Um, I think I made my feelings known on Amiobi last week. Um, the guy's a joke. I don't want him at my club. He's awful. Um, Leon Best isn't much better by the look of it. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him play. And he plays play for Blackburn, so I don't think we want him. Um, he scored six goals since 2012, so <laughs> he probably would fit in quite well. It but, sounds um, like he'll fit in nicely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure that's worth it. Um, and I, I don't really see a sporting card from Cole. I think he's just left West Ham. I'm not sure how much money he'd be on. Um, Celtic and Sunderland are both after him, so yeah, I can't see us getting him. So I think it's back to the drawing board, to be honest, for Lennon, isn't it? Well, it's a pretty big drawing board. To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, it's been uh, it's been filled with names. It's, it's starting to get to the point where we're looking a little bit desperate, aren't we? You know what? Anybody will do. Anybody will do. Um, right. Okay. Well, speaking of Lennon, obviously he's been in trouble with the FA for his comments after the QPR game. Um, we had a really good, interesting piece on the website earlier on this week about freedom of speech and and the choice that people have got in whether they take on that sort of thing as a positive or a negative. Uh, where do you all stand on that debate? I mean, Lennon obviously is he's an outspoken fella. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, Liam O'Meara. Obviously, there's a Celtic uh, Celtic connection there. You know what he's been like in the past. He, he he was considered a bit of a calmer near Lennon since he arrived at Bolton. Perhaps not as not as as uh, as rough and tumble. Perhaps as eager to to cause controversy. But, but what do you think? I think he was antagonised a lot more north of the border. I think outside influences affect him a lot more. I think obviously the raw Neil Lennon in terms of how reactive he can be to particularly to referees has 
has always been there, and I think we've seen it at times at Bolton as well. So um, I think he's just less of a spotlight here. I think he's exactly the same. Um, in terms of how, yeah, this is where he does let himself down. I think, you know, I, I do appreciate at times that we do don't get the rub of the green, and obviously as a fan you can see that as well, and, you know, we will all shape from the ground and give the referee as much stick as we can, but I do think at the same time he does need to set an example and look to how he behaves towards referees, and it was a criticism I had of him when he was at Celtic, and it's still one I have of him now. I would agree. I think it's a totally unnecessary element of his character that... Uh... I accept it's frustrated and perhaps it hints at a wider problem with interviewing people upon the final whistle that you're going to get an emotive response and maybe it's a bit harsh to, to criticise them in that respect. Yeah, that's, um, that's a very fair comment, that. Very yeah, fair. I know in the NFL, I believe it is, they, they do take about an hour or so for the, the emotions of the game die down before they take comment from, from the team managers and I think that's something football could well do with looking into uh, but Rob, where do you stand on that? Do you think Lennon was, was right in his criticism? Obviously you attended the game. Um, he said, and I'll quote, the referee was a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. I have not seen a more biased performance for a long, long time. He gave QPR everything he possibly could. He was so frustrated with that. Any 50-50 challenge, the free kick would look like it was going to us and he invented a reason to give it to QPR. Um, was Lennon right in what he said from, from a match-going perspective? And, uh, and do you think he should have said it or maybe kept it in-house? I don't think he was right, to be honest. Um, there were a few decisions that went against us, but it's not like the ref was giving, taking 50, see, looking at 50 50, and you're like, oh, that's a bottom free kick, and he gives it to QPR. I don't remember that happening all match, so I was surprised by how outspoken he was. I think the only questionable decision maybe was the, um, the Dan's goal right at the end before QPR's goal. Um, and then I think the referee's always going to give that as a free kick, so. To have a go in for that would be a bit odd. Um, I also don't think he should say it. I mean, coming out and calling the ref a, a disgrace, and you can't call them biased no matter what. He just knows he can't say it. Um, so I think, yeah, he was wrong to do it, and it makes the club look bad if he's going to get fined for it. Um, and yeah, he just he shouldn't come out and talk about referee. Like, we've had worse referees. For example, was it Wolves? The referee was awful. And I think the opening yeah, really derby that. match was an awful ref as well. So, I mean, the standard of refereeing in this league isn't great, but then you have to put up with it, don't you? Because it's the referee's viewpoint. Um, so, yeah, you can't come out and have a go at a ref, I don't think. I mean, you should be allowed to say you don't think it's the right call, but then you can't go and slag the referee off and call him a disgrace. I think that was a bit too far. I completely agree. I think he's got to pick and choose his battles and... Yeah. Uh, and this is maybe the wrong one. Liam Hatton, to finish this off, um, same question to you. I mean, it, managers in general, Mourinho we've seen recently with his comments, they do, they do get punished for what they say, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. And, and who's to say what's right and what's wrong? Um, where do you stand on that whole debate? Well, obviously, it's his opinion. And, you know, we all have a right to free speech and that. Um, like... Lennon's first game in charge against Birmingham, he was set off in the touchlines. Um, and I thought then, oh, here we go, he's going to be having the pop every week and he's going to be, you know, um, you know, because he's gained that reputation at Celtic, hasn't he? And Liam made a fair point by saying, you know, he got a lot of stick from, you know, he, he got, you know, he got bomb threats, for example, and he reacted very well, all things considered. Um, but, like, since then, to be fair, he's, he's reeled it in and he's not really made too many outlandish comments that I can think of. I thought the referee against Blackburn away this year was far worse than 
I agree completely. Uh, I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the water bottle holder felt the full brunt of Lennon's frustrations that day. But, um, I, like, it's his opinion, you know, fair enough. It's I, The moment he's called him biased and he's never seen a more biased performance in his life, uh, he, he deserves to get fined for that because if he, it's just the way he approached it. If he said, like, you know, so he, he maybe give QPR the better of the decisions and, you know, the rubber degree, you know, however you want to put it, then he could get away with it. But, you know, when he's calling him a, a disgrace, an absolute disgrace, like you said, and he's calling him biased, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's his opinion, but, you know, it's, it, it's something that he really should just, you know, he, he should just be more cautious of. But like you said, the post-game reaction is a, it's probably a factor as to why mm. he's, he's saying what he's saying. It's like, He's still going high, so you know it's. it's... Well, they shouldn't really be surprised, should they, that people come out with these emotive statements? I'm sure if you'd have come to Lennon an hour or so later on, um, he, he maybe would have calmed down a little bit, and therefore yeah. the charge, that the faffing about, the messing, it wouldn't have been an issue. But because they've done what they've done, you know, it is what it is, and, and now he's got to face that charge, and he's going to take his comments on the chin. Uh, I I believe that that sort of thing should be mitigated in in terms of the the, the, con- the context of the whole thing. Um, it really yeah, does frustrate me. It would be nice to maybe get the referee's point of view at the end of the match as well. I know not many people want to hear from the referee because uh, they don't really care that much. But sometimes if the referee could come out and say, you know, you just offer some comment, you know, because we never hear from the referees ever. And like you look at Mike Dean's performance uh, in the Arsenal Chelsea game this year, and like he was terrible. And you know, you never hear from the referees. It's like they're no. always protected. Um, and like the managers, you know, as soon as they some, say something, you know, they, they get slapped with a fine. But you know, well, that's it. It should it should cut both ways equally, shouldn't it? If if one's yeah. allowed to comment on one, then the other should be allowed to comment back. And I'm sure it'd be interesting to get that that second point of view. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Uh, we were going to talk about some bullshit article I read about Prince uh, Prince Guano earlier on today, but I'm going to take executive decision to cancel that uh, because I don't want to talk about Prince potentially leaving the club ever in the history of the world so let's not talk about that right what we're going to do is we're going to have a short break uh, while I nip to the boys toilets and we're going to then nip on to talk about a little unusual segment but one we decided to put on earlier on this week which is our we're going to talk about our favourite Bolton Wanderers lineups of all time given the fact that we've had Gary Cahill captain England this week we're going to talk about who's the best player in each position for Wanderers it's not going to take that long I can hear you all sighing in the background it's not going to take that long so don't worry And we'll be back in two ticks, so bear with us. We'll be right back. All right, kids, welcome back to the Love Pod 31. Um, Right, it's International Week, so therefore there's nothing real of any value to talk about. So we're going to shake it up a bit by dipping into our all-time Bolton 11. It's a a segment I long considered being suitable for the main, main website, but never really got around to the logistics of the whole matter. So therefore... Myself, Rob, Liam and Liam, we're going to talk about our all-time Bolton 11. Um, I'm going to ask these lads for their options. We're going to vote, I'm going to type, and then we're going to come to a conclusive, definitive, all-time greatest Bolton Wanderers 11. The caveat being, it can only be a players that you've actually seen play. So therefore, I don't want you to talk about Nat Lofthouse, unless Liam or Mary, you were a lot, lot older than I think you look. <laughs> Um, which, given your beautiful, youthful appearance, is very, very possible, but I don't want to consider it anyhow. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to come to Rob, Liam O'Meara, and Liam Hatton in order, and then myself with my vote, 
and we're going to go through it position by position. So everyone listening tonight, I want you to drop us a text. Uh, uh, sorry, a text. What am I talking about? A tweet, <laughs> a, a comment on Facebook, or anything on the website. We'll, we'll detail these on the website later on in the week as well. Um, with your own choices, um, debate is always welcome. Mass debate is even more welcome. But right, goalkeeper wise, Rob Latham, first up, you can go with your your choice of uh, greatest all time Bolton Wanderers goalkeeper uh, and why. Please, uh, please off you go. Uh, for me, there's only one choice. It has to be UC. Um, he was just amazing for so long. Um, and when we're in the Premier League, he's probably the best keeper in the Premier League for three or four years. So for me, it has to be UC. Um, a special mention goes to Keith Brannigan, though, because when I was growing up, he was awesome. But um, yeah, UC for me. Okay, Lee Momera, same question to you. Yeah, I think we're all going to be sort of unilaterally agreeing on UC Ascalan in here. Um, although, one thing I will say is I don't think that Adam Bogdan is a million miles off that kind of quality. Um, I don't think, I think it'll be a short amount of time before he's Liverpool number one, to be honest. Are you talking about um, him in a general career sense or is at this particular minute in time? He's, he's, <laughs> you're going to need to quantify that controversial <laughs> statement, I'm going to yeah, say. In a, career, in a career sense, I, I, I genuinely think that Adam Bogdan is, is flaring to that sort of that elite level, to be honest. Um, I mean, I was really sad to see him go. I understood the move, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I, I've never seen such a quality player not get sort of the recognition he deserved from his own fans. We're, we're talking, for, for me, we were talking a very, very good Premier League goalkeeper playing in the Championship and getting criticised by his own fans for absolutely needless stuff like, you know, stuff like where he stands on corners. When, when you had Lonergan in there, who literally could not jump. So I, I, you know, but I think give it a few years. Adam, Adam Bogdan will be a top top player in, to the level maybe of Asmir Begovic's. I, I think that kind of quality. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, yeah, uh, Liam Liam Atten to the second comment. Uh, how do you think um, Bogdan will do? And also, please leave us with your your first choice, Bolton Wanderers goalkeeper for of your time. Um, it's got to be Yossi. Um, over 500 appearances. Um, he cost us, what, £150,000. Um, he's just... He's, he, he was one of the best goalkeepers um, during our stay in the Premier League. I wouldn't say the top, but he was he was up there. Um, like, the double penalty save against Blackburn, you know, just left me with so many good memories. Plus, we share the same birthday, so I'm quite <laughs> biased as well. But, um, you know, Bogdan, he was... He was he was very good. Um, again, he was. I will say this about Bogdan: he should have started. Well, he should have replaced Yossi during our final Premier League season. So I think that was a decision that hurt us um, in regards to our, um, our relegation. But um, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's Yossi, and I think everyone would be in agreement. Okay. Well, to bring this to a conclusion, I'm going to disagree. Um, Old timer that I am in terms of you, you whippersnappers. I'm going to go with Brannigan personally. Okay. Um, yeah, Brannigan is the goalkeeper that I most associate with my my formative years supporting Wanderers. He was a, he was a, an astute stop, stop, shot stopper. Uh, he was an excellent distributor of the ball, and, and plus he was also the recipient of the greatest goalkeeping kits that we've ever <laughs> produced. Uh, but I make that three votes to one for Jaskalainen. So you'll see. Well done. Uh, you're into the Bolton Wanderers slash Line of Vienna. Goalkeeping Hall of Fame. Right, right backs. Rob, then Liam, then Liam, then myself. Uh, Rob, off you go. Right backs, please. Okay, I don't think... say Steinson. Um, I haven't got Steinson actually. Um, 
I think right back's an area we've kind of always struggled. Um, for me, growing up, the right back I've liked the most was Scott Green. I like I like see Scott Green. He was really fast. Got down the wings. I remember watching him at Burnham Park. So for me, Scott Green. Okay, yeah, an excellent, excellent player, and an excellent choice in there. Liam, Liam O'Meara, same question to you. Um, I went for someone who only spent one year at us, uh, and we had him on loan. But I'm going to go for Bernard Mendy. I when we <laughs> had Mendy on, yeah, when we had Mendy on loan that first year. I, I, I you know, I'm not seen as have a flying right back like that since. Um, it was a real disappointment when we didn't get him permanently at the time. I know when he came back in the Premier League later with Hull, he seemed a shadow of the player that, that we seemed to have when he was a young 21, 22-year-old. But uh, that year, doing that right-hand side, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, and I, I think he, he was one of the characters that really sort of stood out, you know, when we were obviously that, that really likeable team that managed to stay up against the odds. So I went for Bernard Mendy. Wow, didn't the, the French manager very, very famously admitted that he wasn't going to consider Mendy for the French team whilst he was continuing to play in the arsehole of the world, I believe was the quote uh, he came out with about Bolton, very nice. Uh, Liam Hatton, same question to you, right backs, we've had a vote for Mendy, uh, we've had a vote for Scott Green, so I didn't see that one coming, but fair enough, uh, your choice please. I will, I will say about Bernard Mendy, there was uh, one game against Bury in the League Cup, Years ago, and he Shambles. scored, scored the goal, and it's just haunted me ever since. Um, I went for Bruno Ingoy. I know he was um, he played at centre back, but he did also, you know, he was also deployed at right back. And it would be fair to say, you know, he's one of the classiest players I've seen in the Bolton shirt. It helped that he was built like a tank, but um, he also, when he was on the ball, he, it was like he had this like silky finesse, and he was just. He was just—he seemed to be refined in almost every area. You know, he was strong in the air. He was just—he could easily muscle players off the ball, and he was quite pacey as well, considering. Um, but I put him at right back because, like Rob said, we've not really been blessed with options over the past few years in that position. So I, I went for Engai. Sorry. Hmm. Well, that leaves us in a bit of a bind because I'm not <laughs> going to go for any of the choices that you, you idiots, have gone for. I mean, I'm going to stick with my favourite. I mean, there's only one one right-back that I can fall in love with over the past uh, 20-odd years of watching Bolton, that's Neil Cox, the greatest right-back in the history of English football. Um, he could attack, he could defend, he was a, st- a studious, hard-working, tough son of a bitch. He was decent going forward as he was defending. So we face a bit of an impasse here, gentlemen. Um, we've got Scott Green, we've got Neil Cox. Uh, we're going to have to come to some sort of consensus here, you know, fellas. A second round of voting, I reckon. A second round of voting is what they do in the American elections, Liam, so that's exactly what we're <laughs> going to do. So you've got ten seconds each to make a final case for each of your uh, your contestants. So, uh, Rob, you first. Can I change my vote? I'm gonna, I forgot about Neil Cox. You can absolutely, since you've agreed with me, you can absolutely change <laughs> your vote. Of course you can. Yeah, Neil Cox is quality. I'm going to go with him. Neil Cox. Well, I, I, never, I never saw him play, so... No, well, that's yeah. fair enough. I don't yeah. expect you to uh, to compromise your vision uh, for the sake of voting yeah. with the way that I voted, which is uh, obviously the right way. Uh, but um, yeah, the two Liams, Liam O'Meara first. Are, are you prepared to? What What can you do to convince me about your choice? Well, there's probably no point now because now we've got two for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Neil Cox is a fantastic right back. I'm not. I'm not going to be too um, too upset with him getting it. But I, at the same time, I think everything that I said for Bernard Mendy still still stands and uh, you know I'll, I'll certainly put Bernard Mendy in my team even if you lot are all conforming to Chris's ideas 
<laughs> well, <laughs> as far as conforming to ideas over a single season go, I mean, left back is going to be one we'll come to in a minute. Um, but you could maybe make a similar sort of case of Vincent Candelar as being one of the best left backs we've ever had. But then he only played for us for 12 months. It's funny you say that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he only played for us for 12 months, so we can see. Um, but Liam Hatton, have you got anything you can say to uh, to put forward your candidate before we decide that Neil Cox is the best right back in the history of the world ever? Again, I think we've. Uh, I think you've won the vote now. But uh, you know, um, like you say, there wasn't too many options at right back for me personally. Um, I mean, I'm not going to pick Stanton or anyone like that. Good. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I went for Engoy just because he spent some time there and he was he was a very, very good defender who I enjoyed watching a lot. But no, I mean, he definitely was. He definitely was. was. <laughs> He's somebody that I, would I, only, propose, I, uh, I propose putting... Sorry, go on. I said I only put him a right back because we've, we've had some quality centre-house as well. So it was like spoiled for choice. Really. Well, I'm just going to say exactly that, that we can come to the uh, we can come to the centre-backs in a moment or two. So perhaps Bergson will get his... Uh, sorry, Bergson will um, get your... Uh, or Bergson will get their plays at, at centre-half because both could play uh, either position equally well. Right, so centre-halves, you've got two. Two to mention, please. Uh, Rob, off you go. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, for me, Goodney Bergson's nailed on. He was immense at centre-back um, he's just reliable uh, he's got a few goals here and there as well um, yeah I loved good knee so he's going in and then oh, the other one's tough um, I'm going to go with Bruno Ngotti just because of um, what he's achieved internationally as well and then he was just such a beast at the back nothing got past him he was he's 100% dependable I don't think we've had a defender like him since so, yeah, for me, I'll put Bruno and Gotti in there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll just, in, I'll just interject here slightly with it. It was something that I remember hearing years and years and years ago. I'm absolutely not in any way claiming it's true. Um, but do you remember the fact that Ngotti left kind of surprisingly, un- unceremoniously, without much fanfare? I, I remember being told years ago that he left because he had actually had um, a scrap, uh, a fight with with a cotcher. Um I don't know if that's true or not. But, uh, really? But somebody once told me that, that Ngotti left so suddenly for Birmingham because he had a fight with the coacher and the manager was told to choose which one he wanted to get rid of and he chose to get rid of him got it. Oh, I don't know if that's true or not but it sounded reasonable at the time Liam O'Meara same question to you you've got two centre-halves who are you going to pick? Yeah I think we were, we were picking from a small pot here I think obviously there was a lot of choice but I think there's a few within the last 25-30 years that have really stood out to us so I agree with Goodney Burks and he, he was one of my choice you know he was a real leader um, he was absolutely solid, and every year he seemed to renew and come back. He, he looked even better until he eventually retired. Absolutely. So, um, Goodney was in there for me. Uh, the next one, I was torn between two. Um, I've gone for our new England captain, Gary Cahill. Um, <laughs> an absolute... We've not had a player like Gary Cahill. Other Agreed. than Gary Cahill. Uh, the guy, we could have played him anywhere on the pitch. He was just oozing quality. Um <laughs> We, we looked to him whenever there was a problem, and the, the guy was playing centre back, and there were, you know he was he was receiving the ball when we were two one down and striding forward to try and change things. So, you know we had a real talent on our hands, and I think it surprises no Bolton fans to the you know what he's achieved since he's gone on to you know bigger and better things. So. I'll be honest, it surprises me, I, I, and I don't mean to be to be controversial for the sake of it, but I always thought he was too good for us. But I, I had my doubts as to whether he would be good enough for Chelsea, but. But obviously, he's he's proved me very, very wrong. He's done really, really well for himself, and I couldn't be happier. That's good. 
That's good. Um, the only the only person that was really sort of pushing Gareth Zach Hale. Knight. <laughs> It wasn't Zack Knight and it wasn't um, Abdul Haimete either. Was it not, was it not uh, Gerald said either? No, no, it wasn't Gerald. <laughs> Don't spoil my choices, Liam. Don't spoil my choices. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I nearly went for Talbin Aim. When, Ooh, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant when we had Talbin. He was. He was. He, he was my he was my my choice for uh, for Bergson's uh, Bergson's natural heir until he chose to leave. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I could understand anyone having the ambition to move on, but he, he did seem to sort of self implode afterwards. And I remember mm-hmm. when he went to Chelsea, I think there was a goal that sort of Torres went past him and ghosted one in and then sort of knocked it at the far post. And I think it just showed that perhaps Tottenham wasn't the world level. Um, and because of that move, obviously it was a similar move to what Kale did, and Kale has sort of kicked on. That's why I went for Kale. Fair enough. Uh, Liam Hatton, same questions to you, mate. So, so far, just to recap, uh, we've got a vote for Bruno, we've got a vote for Goodney Bergson, uh, and then we've got a vote for Goodney and for Kale. Uh, so, you, who who would you go for in those two positions? Ben Aim is actually a really good shot. I forgot about him. Um, mm, but I, I, went for Ke- I went for Kale and uh, Bergson. I, mean, I think. Just uh, Bergson was. I always saw him play for one season. Uh, the first year I got a season ticket was his final year at the club. Um, but he was just, like you say, he, he saw he saw the charge throughout, you know, our promotion, and he was just, just a club legend in my eyes. Again, we bought him for I think it was it was under hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, it? ninety ninety grand, I believe it was. Just Spurs. just crazy values, same as you see. You know, I don't know what was going on in there. Back then, but we made some really good deals. And uh, Kale, you know, it was. It, it would be fair to say that we sold him uh, for. You know, we could have got a lot more for Kale, but when he was at the club, he was just. He, he just seemed to be really solid in all areas. So like, he, he got his handful of goals uh, from corners or what have you, but at the back as well. I mean, to be fair, he was playing alongside Steinson, Zach Knight, and Paul Robinson, and he still looked a class above. You know what I mean? He was just. He just. A fantastic, fantastic buy for us, and um, probably again, Kale was just—he's up there for me as one of the best defenders I've seen in a bunch. It was just—I th- I think he's the fact that he captained England the other day as well. It's just—it's very deserving. I'd have him as captain over Rooney, but maybe just because I hate Rooney. <laughs> I don't think he's. I all think, no, I think Rooney's the—he uh, really is the equivalent of a boxer that's been too many rounds, hasn't he? He's, he's on a downward slope pretty rapidly. Right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll conclude this with, uh, with the definitive vote for Kale. Um, Gary Kale gets, uh, gets four out of four. Uh, sorry, beg your pardon, three out of four there. So he takes his place alongside Neil Cox in our defensive line. Um, I'm not going to go with Goodney, though. Um, Goodney's going to earn his place by dint of having three votes. Uh, I'm going to vote for the best centre-half that I think I've seen in, in, in many a year, uh, which is Chris Fairclough. Chris Fairclough, who, who was in our, obviously our centre-half, who we signed from Leeds back end of the 90s at Burnham Park. He played 12 months there, 12 months at the Reebok, I remember. Um, he, he was really, really solid on the ball, offered a real threat going forward. I remember in our promotion season, he scored about 10 or 11 goals. He, he was fantastic. And he had a really, really good partnership with Gary uh, Jerry Taggart. This was the tail end of Fairclough's career. Um, he struggled to, to continue much longer after, after that. Um, but he gets my vote. So, by dint of a dem- democratic uh, decision... We've got Goodney Bergson and Gary Cahill as our greatest ever centre-halves. Right, left-backs. Rob, straight on to you. 
Okay, um, this is a guy who kind of shoehorned in at left back. Um, he did play there a bit, but he was, obviously wasn't as good at left back as he was going forwards. Um, it's Ricardo Gardner. Um, okay. He's my favourite ever Bolton player. Um, and he's the guy I had in my shirt when I was 14. Um, and that goal mm. against Preston was just amazing. Um, and then the uh, video he did when he left Bolton as well to the fans was was uh, was amazing. So for me, it's Ricardo Gardner, shoehorn at left back. Vincent Candela. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I um, I really think it showed us what a full back could actually look like. You know, I think I think he was a a real step up in quality in a position that I don't think we've ever had a real outstanding candidate on either side in the last 25, 30 years. I know we've discussed right backs, but I think Vincent Candela was. Again, when we're talking about that world elite level, you know, I think we everyone was kind of shocked about how a left back could actually influence a football match. So I went for Vincent Candela. Okay, Candela was an excellent choice. So we've got Gar- one vote for Gardner, one vote for Candela. Liam Hatton, where did you stand on that debate? <laughs> I went for Gardner as well. Um, okay, he was. I know he was. He played in midfield as well, but um, I remember him at left back, and you know, whilst he, there was times when. He looked a bit, you know, insecure when teams were attacking him, like in defending. He was um, he's just another legend, you know, at the club. He was designing yeah, a bolt one just defend it doesn't look shaky when someone's attacking. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's in the DNA really, isn't it? Uh, we signed him following the ninety eight World Cup and a lot of people forget that he actually played, you know, for Jamaica in the finals. Um, uh, quick trivia question, what's the name of the club we signed him from? Was it Le Havre? Or... I can't remember how I say it exactly, but you'll no, say it. But, oh, you'll say that, and I know it's it's a great name for it, isn't it? It certainly yeah. is. It's Harbour Harbour View. There we oh, go. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, but it, he also gave us some great moments over the years. Um, like the goal against Bayern Munich. I mean, just probably the greatest moment I've ever been a part of as a Bolton fan. And uh, I met, I remember a free kick totally against agree. Newcastle as well. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a sweeter free kick in my life. It was just right in the top corner, and it was just, it was just great to watch. Um, I'd put Gardner there because whilst he was a bit shaky in defence, he was just you know like Yossi, and you know he, he made a handful of appearances for us. And you know it was a shame that his career ended with his injuries. You know, and I wish I wish he'd played more, uh, but I've got to put Gardner in the left back. Definitely. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, uh, well, that earns Gardner's place in there. But again, by dint of, uh, of numbers, he earns the the three votes there to whatever I'm going to say, um, which is Simon Charlton. Simon Charlton remains my my favourite ever Bolton Wanderers left back. He, he he notably played at centre half for a time as well. It was as excellent there as he ever was at left back. But Simon Charlton is my vote. And um, but I'm I'm outvoted, such as democracy. We're going to go with a back four. Of Cox, Goodnight, Kale, and Gardner in front of Yossi Askeline. And lads, let's move on to right wingers. Uh, Rob, your choices, please. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, choice, choice, choice. I, I'm, I'm mindful it's half ten on a Sunday night. Let's go with choice. Yeah, this is a tough one. So, I went for Stelios. Okay. Just because he scored a lot of goals. He scored important goals. And he was just a legend. <laughs> there we go, Stelios. Nope, that's all that needs to be said. Leave O'Meara, your choice. I I struggled, so I went in the end with Nakata, playing Nakata on the right. Um, he had the, the quality that he had to literally had to be there, so I went with Nakata. Okay, Liam Hatton? 
Um, I went for a four-three-three. Maybe Alyssa was a bit. <laughs> but uh, well, maybe you should have said beforehand that we're going to go with a very English four-four-two. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you can you can fit square pegs yeah, around holes yeah. as with the on the right side. That's not a problem. I'll whack a Georgia on the right hand side. <laughs> Okay, Yori's absolutely fine. I'm sure he'll come up again uh, as we progress. Uh, I'm worried about Yori not actually turning up, um, and so I'm I'm going to disregard my choice of Michael Johansson um, or David Lee. It was really tough to choose between the two. Uh, instead, I'm, I'm going to go with Stelios um, just to get a definitive answer on that particular one, purely because he had the goals, he had the, the wherewithal, uh, and most importantly, when the time came for him to choose between staying at Bolton and moving on to Liverpool, he, he chose to stay at Bolton, so therefore he earns my eternal respect. Central midfielders, you can choose a defensive midfielder and an attacking midfielder. You can choose two attacking midfielders, Rob. You can set the tone here by whatever you go for. All right, I've chosen two absolute legends here. Um, so the first one was a no, no-brainer. JJ Kotcher, the best player ever to put on a Bolton shirt, as far as I'm concerned. With the exception of maybe Nat Loftus, but JJ was just incredible. Did things that no one else in the world can do. Um, so he's a no-brainer for me. Alongside him, I've got Gary Speed, who was just a fantastic footballer. Um, absolute quality in the middle of the park. Scored goals, get a tackle in. Um, kind of played walk into any team. So Gary Speed and the Kotcher for me. Definitely. I've spoken about Speed before now as being somebody that I was surprised when we signed him and maybe a little bit disappointed, but... Ten minutes into his first game for us, I was I was, I was swiftly shown how, how wrong I was. Uh, Liam O'Meara, same question to you. So two central midfielders, please. Well, JJ's a given, isn't he, in this position? So I'll not I'll not sort of cover all ground there. But I went for Ivan Campo. Um, no, it was obviously a toss up between Speed and Campo, and the two absolute legends of of Bolton Wanderers. But in the end, probably more heart than head. I went with Campo. Okay, Liam Hatton, same question. I had a Piero in Campo. In the, the centre of the field. Um, I don't think we expected a lot from Hero when we signed him, because he was uh, 36, I think he was, when we signed. But um, he's still there, sorry. Yeah, still yeah. here, mate, carry on. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Hero was, you know, he came in and he was just gifted, committed on the ball. Um, and we wish he stayed for longer, but, you know, it's sometimes you just got to enjoy your walks there. And Campbell, Absolutely. he was always seemed to have an affinity for when he was fouled to grab the ball so the referee would kind of have to give a free kick uh, the long range pile driver against uh, Tottenham you know the Campo was just another class class body in the in the centre of the park and I'd be happy having them two in Fair enough well I'm definitely going to go with Campo myself so Campo is in there he's part in the Hall of Fame um, I was going to go with Per Franson um, but I, I'm mindful of the fact that I'm getting a bit tired now so I, I'm going to go with a cot uh, Okocha deserves his place in the team like you say arguably the most skillful footballer ever to play for Bolton Wanderers he, he had everything didn't he um, not to mention a, a beautiful long throw uh, so Campo and Okocha take up the central midfield roles um, very very well deserved a lot of a lot of excellent candidates in there from the last uh, 20 years or so I'm sure we've all seen um, no place from Neil Dans which might get him a bit <laughs> upset um, but you've got to make these tough decisions really, Rob uh, left winger. Um, now you can choose to take this as a left winger, or you can choose it as a as a chance to shoehorn in somebody that's not been mentioned thus far. The, the floor is yours. I've shoehorned someone in, and he has been mentioned previously. It's Yuri Djorkiev. Um, okay. I think a bit like Akotcha and Speed, he just added a bit of quality to a team, and he was just incredible when he came in. So Djorkiev for me. 
Okay. Uh, Liam O'Meara, same question. Yeah, I went for the same choice. Yuri Jokiev. He was exactly um, the first name I've actually put on this. You know, the first one that came to my head. He's, he's my favourite player to ever put on the bottom one. Shirt. He just oozed class. He he was a player everyone looked at looked at to, to change a game. He had everything in his locker. It just everything that could come from so much could come from a man so small, couldn't it? He, he Absolutely. Was just, he was just unbelievable. So I went with Yori as well. Okay, Liam Hatton, same question. I went for uh, a catcher just so I could fit them all in my midfield. And um, slightly enough, that was on the left hand side. But uh, <laughs> well, again, yeah, you know, there's can't say any more about a catcher. He was he was just fantastic, and the fact that he flicked the ball over Ray Powell's head, had him sat on his ass, it was just. Great. Yeah, it was just fantastic. Much in the way that uh, Ray Powell's ex-wife put the rug, <laughs> over, rug over his head in that divorce settlement, which makes me laugh every time I listen to that prick on talks. But uh, Right, I'm going to go with Yori as well, purely because I think he deserves his place in the team. Left winger is a bit of a, a bit of a misnomer. He's not one of them, is he? If we were going to go with pure left wingers, uh, Rob, who would you have gone for? Pure left winger? Um, Alan Thompson? Yeah, Liam O'Meara? Can't argue with that either. No. <laughs> Uh, Liam Hatton, any 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 uh, any advancements from that on Thompson? I'd say Thompson's a good shout. Uh, I'd probably say Stellius as well. Upon reflection, I'd go with Stellius. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. My choice was between uh, between Thompson and Scott Sellers. Scott Sellers, the uh, the owner of the, the most gracious and most beautiful left foot in uh, in the history of Bolton Wanderers, in my opinion. Uh, but Yori Jarkaf enters into the Hall of Fame. Right, centre forwards. We've got two positions left to pick. Rob, who are you going to choose? Uh, one of them is a no-brainer as well, John McGinley. Gary Medine. Uh, Gary Medine went close. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's prolific, two and two, so he went close. But John McGinley got the nod, seeing as he did it over more than two games. Um, he's, there was the season where he got like twenty-five goals, got us promoted. Um, he just kept banging goals. He was incredible, um, and he's still a Bolton legend. So he starts up front. Um, there's a few other names in there. Arnold Gunnlaugsson. Uh, yeah. Bit of a hero. Raziak. No. Yeah, he was. I liked him. I remember watching. Who? Gunlaugson. Gunlaugson. Yeah. Gunlaugson was absolutely brilliant. He was quality. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Fabian. Not, to, men- not to mention ale- allegedly the first uh, openly homosexual uh, footballer to play for Bolton Wanderers as well. Oh really? Did not. Mm, I, I could be completely libelous, but that's what I always remember. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, um, <laughs> Kevin Davis, just what a hero! Okay. Um, yeah, just love watching him play, um, battering defenders, scoring the occasional goal. Yeah, club hero, Kevin Davis and John McGinley, what a strike force! Excellent, uh, Liam O'Meara, same question. Mine's quite unimaginative to be honest, and the two players that played together, but I went for um, Kevin Davis and Nicholas and Elka. Um, okay. Yeah, I just think. In terms of, we could, we could list off strikers and big number nines that we've liked in the past. You know, you McGinley's, even Nathan Blake to a degree. You know, all the, these players that have led the line for Bolton Wanderers. But when you look at the skill set that an Elka has, it's just, again, that elite level. You know, you could I think you could really pick a world-class team if you wanted to with some of these players on the list. Um, so, yeah, I went for an Elka. And I think Kevin Davis is, you know, he's, he's going to be in there, isn't he? OK, Liam Hatton. I went exact same, Anelka and Davis. Um, Davis, you know, um, I wrote a piece about him and he's just, he spearheaded that charge into the Premier League and kept us there for so long. He just bullied defenders. Um, you know, 
likes of Ferguson and Wenger hated playing against him. And, you know, when he made them crunching tackles against Patrice Ever, there was never more, there was never someone more deserving than ever of being on the receiving end of that challenge. <laughs> and then Elka, um, you know, we wish we had him for longer again, you know, but we signed him for 8 million. And it was a, a relative gamble because he was flip flopping between clubs before he really made the mark at the Reebok. But again, I mean, that 25 yard curl he made against Arsenal was just just a joy to watch. It was just fantastic. I, I think them too, if we could have a partnership, anything close to that today, just imagine. Imagine the scenes. <laughs> oh my lord! I, I'd, I'd be grateful for something even in uh, a, a tenth, a tenth as, as as good as those two. I, I can't disagree, lads. I'm going to go with. Uh, I am going to go with an Elka and SKD with honourable mentions to Andy Walker, John McGinley, uh, Nathan Blake in that promotion campaign as well in the first division. Uh, Bob Taylor would, would maybe take a little bit of consideration as well. He was part of a really, really, um, really blessed Bolton Wanderers team, very close to my heart as well. John McGinley, I really, really feel terrible about not picking him because he was my first ever footballing hero. Um, going to the games as a as a ten, eleven year old lad in the early nineties, he he was the he was my ideal ideal football. He would score seemingly every single week. He would be rowdy, be rambunctious, he'd be putting people off, he'd be he'd be smacking people in the face now and then. Um, plus, he used to come out for the warm up after they'd finished the running element of it, which used to make me laugh every single week. Um, <laughs> So, John McGinley, I wish I could put you in there, but Anelka and SKD represent Bolton Wanderers as far as I'm concerned. Anelka being the guile, uh, SKD being the, the, the brawn, um, a much better football than people gave him credit for. He, he'll always be synonymous with a, my, probably my favourite period in supporting Wanderers, that six or seven years under the Big Sam, where we, we really took it to the big boys. We gave him a bloody nose and we, uh, yeah. we, we were left with the points more often than not. But uh, Anelka and SKD take their place up front. We'll run through the whole team in a minute. We're just going to ask you lads quickly, who would you have managing this team, uh, or as it's known, the Sam Allardyce Award? Uh, Rob, who would you go for in this particular uh, particular role? Um, it's going to be controversial and pick Bruce Rea, but I'm not going to. Uh, Big Sam. <laughs> OK, Liam O'Meara? I, don't think, I think if you don't pick Big Sam, you're a bellend, aren't you? you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Sam. OK, fair dues, Liam Hatman. Any advances on that one? I was going to pick Dougie Freeman, but you know... <laughs> No, uh, Big Sam, I mean, it's no coincidence that most of the players on the, in the team were during Big Sam's days, if not all. Um, you know, we were promoted to the Premier League in the Big Sam and we got to Europe. We were just we were forced to be reckoned with and I'm just a fantastic manager. Just fantastic. Definitely, definitely agree. I think that it's a, a pretty much a blanket opinion on, on in there. Um, yeah, Gary Megson, honourable mention, of course. <laughs> um, but let's just run through this quickly. We've got Yossi in goal. Uh, a defence of Neil Cox, Gudney Bergson, Gary Cahill and Ricardo Gardner. A midfield comprised of uh, Stelios, Ivan Campo, JJ Koch and Yuri Jorkaev. With Nicholas Anelka and Kevin Davies up front, managed by uh, by Sam Allardyce, of course. Uh, we're not going to go through all seven subs, because like I said, we'll be here all night. Um, but we'll take a short break while we digest that information. Our all-time Bolton Wanderers lineup is on there. You feel free to tweet us, to, to send us a message on Facebook with your preferred 11. Um, love to see how it is, and maybe we'll debate it next time if we've got the chance. So stop where you are for two secs. We'll be back to play Guess Who before we close with the Twitter question of the week. Stay where you are. Okie dokie, welcome back to Love Pod 31. Uh, Liam O'Meara has passed his bedtime. He's had to disappear 
with it being a school night, but I've still got Liam Hatton, I've still got Rob here with myself, I'm Chris. Right, we're going to play Guess Who, Rob? It's, it's your, your game now, uh, since Dan's diverted to university, so I'm trying to, uh, trying to advance his education, but where, where can we find Guess Who? What does it involve? And then please crack on with the question. So this is Bolton Guess Who? I'm going to read out clues about a former Bolton Wanderers player, and the two lads have to guess who I'm talking about. Um, it's pretty simple, so should we crack on? Ready when you are. Okie doke. So, clue number one. I scored 19 league goals for all of the first three major teams I played for. That's a very good starting point. No guesses? No. no. <laughs> huh? No, no, no. no. Okay. Um, number two. I played at the 1998 World Cup. Wow, uh, okay. Number three. I also played at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no idea. Okay. Four. In 1990, I signed for Lille in what was then a club record deal. Lille as in French? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Still, still got no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! The bed. No, I think I've got it. I think I got it. Okay. Per Franson. It is Per Franson. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why, but I had a little twinge of memory there that uh, that, that logged the fact that you played for Lille years and years and years ago. Yeah, you definitely would have got got it on the next one. Go on, please go through the, the remaining uh, remaining answers, remaining questions. Sorry. Okay, the next one was as well as playing for Bolton. I also played for Blackburn and the Pie Eaters. <laughs> I became a football agent before moving into management. I am now manager of a team called AB. I played more than three hundred games for Bolton in two different spells, and I made twenty three appearances for Denmark. Excellent, excellent, Liam. I'm, I'm sure you would have got that as, as the questions <laughs> went on. I, I just I prefer to forget about his spell at Blackburn to be fair. You know, I, yeah. I think he had one seamless spell with us. That would be fine. Would be fine <laughs> it would have been much better, wouldn't it? And any <laughs> spell at Wigan, maybe the less said the better. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, right, well, let's let's draw this bad boy to a close. We've been going for an hour and 40 minutes, uh, <laughs> give or take, given our, our, our cock-ups with the first segment, but we'll blame that on technology. Right, we posed the question earlier on this week as to who would be your choice as the best ever Bolton's Wanderers centre-half. Um, no caveats in here, so it's clearly those that you've seen play. Um, let's dive straight in. Adam Russell, Adam Russell 96, said, In my lifetime, Gary Cale, um, he was my choice as well. Danny West came up with the same choice, as did Boothie at Boothie9469. Uh, Paul Howard at P Howard nineteen seventy four said Laville would have been, but he'll go with Ngotti. Cahill good, but has mistakes in him. Well, clearly you've probably not seen Bruno Ngotti, who was good but had mistakes in him. Uh, <laughs> friend of the pod, Mark Weaver at Disco Weave. Uh, Cahill told my mates years ago he would be playing for England. Now he's skipper. There you go. Tell me a football that's not said that over time. Uh, Mark at Mark R underscore eighty four said Bergson. Well, first vote for Bergson, swiftly followed by a second one. Uh, Chris Merrills, C Merrills, BWFC, got to be Bergson, solid, classy, arguably the most natural captain we've ever had. Bruno second and Cahill third. Uh, very interesting point about him being the most natural captain. Uh, I think I'd, probably, I'd find it very hard to disagree with that. Uh, the Sheriff at Holgmeister said, Mark came for me, think about it. Uh, okay. 
Uh, Wilf at Bartim's Cahill obvious choice, but I remember Paul Jones who made the England squad and added class alongside Big Sam's Braun. Uh, right, John W says uh, agree. Paul Jones was class across between Rio Ferdinand and John Terry. Uh, so we've got a black racist. Interesting. Uh, next one we've got Smithy at IRS underscore eight. Loved watching Mark Fish. Alan Stubbs worth a mention, but the best is Ungotti. So reliable. Alan Stubbs is not worth a mention. He's a dirty traitor, yeah. and I will never hear his word, his name uh, spoken on the podcast again. Uh, DS at Come On You Whites 2013. Another vote there for Goodney Bergson. Uh, right, taking to Facebook. Uh, don't forget to like our Facebook page. We've got quite a lot of uh, a lot of exclusive content on there. Not to mention our discussion topics, which are getting more and more popular with every week. Luke Stone said, Goodnit is a club legend, but isn't anywhere as near as good as Kale. Controversial. Anthony Adock said, definitely Goodnit. Very quick, or at least the best in terms of positional centre-back we've had. Uh, Michael Owen once, once in his goal-scoring pomp at Liverpool. He was lightning fast, and Goodnit had him in his back pocket. I do believe that was Mark Fish, but I'm not going to uh, belabor the point. Patrick Hodkinson with a vote for Hierro. In his prime at Madrid, he was immense. He scored 21 goals in one season. Very true. Fine play, but I argue that uh, Hierro's best football at Wanderers was in midfield, not in defence, similar to Campo. Uh, Swan Footman says Paul Jones. Another vote there for, for Paul Jones. Robert Cullen says Goodney Bergson. Uh, Sam Carlton says Bruno and Gotti. Michael Flatley Roberts is coming with nowhere near Kale. Uh, ben Haim and Gotti and Goodney are a lot better than him. Shame how Ben Haim turned out, but then those couple of seasons he had was excellent. Another vote for Bruno and Gotti here from Barry Moss. Another vote from, uh, for Gunny Bergson from Joe Green. Before Paul Dingsdale comes back in to conclude matters with Paul Jones and Sam Allardyce were both better than Kale. Uh, Liam, come to you first on that one. Yeah. The question was whether you think that Gary Kale is the best centre-half we've ever, ever had. I, I appreciate that maybe some of these names would be, uh, a, bit, a bit unfamiliar, or at least that you've not seen play. But as far as centre-halves that you've seen in your time, uh, can you argue that Kale was or, or was not the best? Not the best. Um, yeah, like, like I said, um, Ngotti, I'd probably rate above Kale. But, um, you know, Kale was just, like we said it before, but he, he had so much about him to his game. Um, I will add about Laville, that I, he was one of the players I wish uh, spent more time at the club. I know he's, because he's, he made a blistering start to his born career and then, you know, it was unfortunate how it ended, but I thought Laville was a real, and he would have been great for us if he had a longer spell at the club. But I, I, I wouldn't argue against Kale, but I wouldn't say he's the best. But more than deserving of his England captaincy, definitely. Agreed. Rob, same question to you. Um, I would say Goodney. I think um, one of the classiest centre backs I've ever seen. Um, definitely for Bolton, anyway. Um, yeah, I thought he was quality. I asked my dad actually about Paul Jones this afternoon. Oh yeah. He said, um, "What do you think?" He said, "Yeah, he's a quality player, much better than Cahill. Um, just a quality defender, especially alongside Allardyce, who was a bit of a brute." Um, yeah, apparently this Paul Jones guy was um, different class. Fair dues. Well, I'm, I'm not going to argue too much with Cahill, purely because we've covered that ground a little bit already tonight. Um, but I think it's a really interesting question and I'd love to see people's responses to the greatest 11 that we've discussed tonight as well. I think that'll spark equal debate. So Rob, I'm going to task you or or, uh, or maybe I'll do it myself. can't be sure if I can be bothered or not. But maybe just put a bit of an article together and I'll, I'll send you the uh, the list of people that we've chosen and yeah. we can decide whether that's worthy of, of wider debate or not. 
But we'll call it a day for Love Pod 31. It's been great to uh, to talk to you both and talk about one for the best part of an hour and three quarters. Uh, Liam, thank you very much for coming on tonight. It's been lovely to speak to you. Yeah, any any time you like, and of course we wish you the very best of luck with your Trotters blog. Um, it's worthwhile keeping an eye out on the internet for for a lot more Bolton Wanderers content. Uh, where can people find you and find your blog online? Uh, Trotters blog is trottersblog.com, and I'm on Twitter at Liam Hatton. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Fair dues, fair dues. Uh, Liam O'Meara has been with us tonight as well. He had to disappear earlier on, but of course he was excellently, uh, a very excellent contributor to the pod as ever. Uh, Rob, same question to you, mate. Where can we find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Robbie Laz. Of course, we say the same every single week. But you're always, uh, always well worth a follow. Line of NSTE on Twitter or Line of Suite on Facebook. Um, give us a like. Um, don't forget, we're up for the football blogging award as well. So please continue to vote if you haven't done already. We thank everybody that's both taken the time to vote so far, uh, and we implore you to, to, to you know get to your friends, your family, your mates, your enemies, whoever it could be, to vote for us. You never know what we might win. Um, I'm at 19Money83 on Twitter. It's been a pleasure talking to you tonight. We'll be back next week when we'll, we'll go through the, the bones of the Burnley game. Uh, 5 0 victory, hopefully, as we all expect, and we'll look forward to the, the game that follows on from that, which I think might be Birmingham, if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. I think so, yeah. Um, yeah, but we'll talk about that as we come to it. So we'll send this over to Dan in Sheffield at University, yeah, presently away from the podcast, to upload it to iTunes, where you can also find us and give us a review if you've got the time or the inclination. Uh, but we'll leave you there. Uh, so see us next time, uh, next week, that is, whatever time that may be, depends when Dan's about. Um, same back time, same back channel. May the force be with you, blah, 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 blah. Have a good week. We'll be back next week with the next Line of Vienna podcast. See you later. Cheers.